Psalm, Isaiah chapter 60, and then 2 Timothy chapter 1. If I can title tonight, I've been in this message for almost a year, maybe over a year, but almost a year now, just playing it over and over and over, and it's helped me. And It's been the message Shalom. And Brother Brandon would preach it twice, and he would preach it once in a home meeting, I think maybe 30 or 40 people, and, and he preaches it like he's in a stadium. He's in a living room maybe, but he preaches it with all of his heart, and he wanted to preach it right on that tape because he wasn't sure the next week he was going to preach it in a stadium that maybe had different spirits and things. And he said, I want to make this tape here in this home because yeah. maybe I'll get a better tape here than I'll do there, and he would preach it twice. And It was a New Year's message for 1964. He was going into 1964, and, and, he, and he was in it already, and he, he began to preach this New Year's message. And if I could title it tonight, Shalom, Light Overcomes Darkness. No matter the darkness you face, the light is pressing through. It'll break through in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee. And his glory shall be seen upon thee. The Gentiles shall come to thy light. Oh my, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill can't be hid. But the Gentiles shall come to thy light, the light that's in you, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. Second Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 3. Paul writing to Timothy, a young man. Uh, Shalom, light overcomes the darkness. A scripture that we know well, but I think in this age it's more pertinent than ever. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And this verse I want to look, and of a sound mind. In a world that's geared to try to make us just snap or, or go off or go off the rails somewhere or, or begin to focus on the wrong way or just be bombarded day and night. You can have a sound mind. There can be peace. I'll say right off the bat, peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. No matter what's around you. Shalom. Light overcomes the darkness. God bless you. You can have your seats tonight. And perhaps it'd be pr premature to call it a New Year's message, but, but still tonight we'll, we'll look forward. No matter where we're at in our life, we're in a spot now where we can start to look back and feel regret. We can look back and wonder how this and why that. We can look at the situation we're in presently, and we can get mighty discouraged, or we can get raised up too much, or we can get... But there's a place that we ought to do, forgetting the things that are behind, and I don't want to add in the wrong way, but even not paying attention too much to where we're at but knowing that God's going to take us forward and all the way to the end. He's going to take us all the way through to the end. And so perhaps we, we can look back to see where God's brought us, and it brings us more trust and faith. But let's look forward tonight, no matter what we're pressed up against right now, no matter what we think is unsurmountable, unovercomable, the situation, the family, the life, no matter what's facing us now, morning is coming. Arise, shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon the people. Brother Branham would preach the message shalom as, as a New Year message, not knowing that, 
1964, when he would live out, and, and he wouldn't live out 1965. He would come out, he was in the last two years of his life, and, and he would preach now in January. As we face New Year's, I want to think not like of the past, but I want to look to the future. See, as Paul said, forgetting those things that are in the past, I press towards the mark, see, of the high calling, and it's expressed like looking through the, the mirror of a car. We, we, we're looking what we have passed when we're looking at the rearview mirror. It would take too long to see the things that the Lord has did, and you're all acquainted with the great things the Lord has been doing, some of the mightiest things I've ever seen in my life in those last couple of years. He had just opened, the seals had been opened through his ministry. He just passing in the last few months, and now we're thankful for what has been, but now we're looking forward. God's brought us through COVID, but what's next? We're looking forward. We're looking where we're headed for into this, and I'll say 2024. We're headed into another land in another year. And now my text for this morning is an odd word, he says. Shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word. It means peace. And that's what I say to the church. I'll say this evening, shalom, it's peace. In Finnish, he says, it's yumalan raha, he says, which means God's peace upon you. Raha, he would, he, would, he would go through different words. God, see, peace, shalom. My New Year's message to the church elected in Jesus Christ for 2024, I'll say. Not just the church groups, but the elect, the lady, the lady of the church, Christ's bride. That's who I'm addressing. We're facing here in our two subjects that we have read in the scriptures. He had read a couple of scriptures. In Isaiah, it says, arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord has come upon you. The light is here. The light isn't just coming. When the light turns on, it's quick. It's there. It's here. The light is here. And the very next verse, he says, because we'll have a contrast through the whole thing, where there's light, what light is doing is pressing back darkness. The purpose of light is so you can see clearly. So you can see that there's peace, that there's no trouble, that in the darkness shadows hide and you're not sure what's behind there. Or what's that shape and what's that? Well, when the light's turned on, everything's exposed. And you can see, oh, there's God there. and God's been here and God, God's in front of me and God's all around me. It doesn't, why did I fear? The very next verse he says, though, gross darkness is upon this people. And then when we are in a mixture of light and darkness... Then to my address to the church is shalom, peace. Let's find out what it's all about, see? We're facing this year with both darkness and light. As a Christian, we'll never, ever, ever get away from the, the evil that comes against us or the good. It's just part of the battle. You won't escape it. We'll never get away from it. That's just part of what we face. This world is one of the most, in one of the most chaotic times of darkness it's ever stood in. And yet it's standing in the most blessed light that it's ever did shine in. Oh, hallelujah. The difference is just like it was in the beginning when there was gross darkness upon the earth. And the Spirit of God began to move upon the face of the waters and said, let there be light. And God separated the light from the darkness. What was it? It was the spoken word of God. There was darkness and he spoke, let there be light. And when the word began to manifest, that means just come to reality, it began to fulfill itself. When it was coming to pass, light and darkness began to separate. And light began to pierce a hole through the darkness. Oh, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. God separated the light from the darkness, 
And I believe that in the, now living in that hour again, when God is separating light from darkness, he's pressing it to the other side of the world that the light might be made manifest. Then the church, the reason I'd say shalom to them is because it's God's peace. That's what I want to bring to you tonight for the New Year's. Not looking back, but we're looking for the breaking of a new day. Not looking back until there is something great laying ahead of us where the years that's been the joy that we've been looking forward to, the pressing of that coming great light, we can see it now breaking over the horizon, horizontal realm, breaking between mortal and immortality. We see it breaking between heavens and earth. The other day, he says, we was talking, the wife and I, we were talking about the hour that we're living in. And we have to bring a contrast. We have to bring both sides. Now, the reason I chose this place, I feel like I could just let down and talk to you, says this place in the desert that he was preaching to them. It seems that there's to be a place upon the people that it's the most pathetic time I could think about. We go through the world. You go to the mall. Go, don't scroll on the internet, but you can imagine what's there. It drags you down. It pulls you. It brings such a heavy and a darkness. It says, I, I, I've been constantly, and I'm just going to go a little bit farther. If I can find the, the quote that, that I was looking for, that I'm thinking of. You, you notice that, maybe I'll just keep reading where I was at. I'm sorry. I'm still learning how to preach sometimes. I've constantly done my very best trying to, in, and he says, in disagreeing with men in religious terms, but he says, if I couldn't take his hand and shake his hand, and he began to see the darkness, but then he realized, as much as I might disagree with the man, I have to love him. Amen. I have to care for him. Yes. That's the only way to win someone, is when the love of God constrains them. Not the discipline or the rule, but when the love of God constrains them, and they see you love them. He says, but if I couldn't take his hand afterward, no matter how sharp the thing might be, and and take a hold of his hand and say, this is in the light of a better understanding between us, and still love that person, not just say it from my lips, but from my heart, then I'm no subject at all to go and talk and try to talk to people. Oh, God, help me. Because, see, we must do that. We must love the person. And going amongst the people in all different classes and cults and clans and religions and so forth and try to lay the Bible down and and say, let's not just discuss it from your creed or your book book of ethics, but from the Bible. Then sometimes men get real sharp. But if I got one thought, this is striking. If I had one thought that I didn't like that person, then I know one thing. The Spirit of Christ has departed from me. If I know I don't like that person, oh, God help me. Oh, if I can feel I don't like that person, there's something wrong with me. But because the Spirit of Christ, when they was crucifying him, and and, and his own people driving the nails, and his very creation that he created was putting the nails that he created into his human flesh, yet with a heart full of love, he cried, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Brother, Brother Bradham would say, I believe I've come to that spot. I believe that people don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Right. And if they don't even know what they're doing, then we can have grace for them. Yep. That's right. To realize they don't even know what they're yeah, doing. Right. Maybe I can say something that would, would turn the tide. Maybe if I give them a little bit of love and realize they don't even realize when they take the name of the Lord in vain, that's even what they're doing or, or what that effect is. Yeah. 
Brother Brandon makes a statement in church order. He says, if I can't bitterly disagree with my, my brother or my sister and, 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 and bitterly disagree and not love them the way that Christ loved them, and that's how he loved them, then there's something wrong. So the disagreement wasn't the problem. It's okay. We're going to disagree all day about something. It's how you do it. It's the heart you do it in. The motive. You, we'll disagree all. Oh, I, I might like the Edmonton Oilers, and you might like not even like hockey at all. And I don't really care about hockey. But, but we might disagree about something all day. But if we get in, in each other's face about it, that's different than saying, oh, it's okay. We, we don't see it that way. I don't see it. But maybe I need to see it better a different way. It's how you disagree. You'll disagree. That'll happen across the board. Not any disregarding, I'll just drop a little down, but he says, like our sisters, and we'll talk about the brothers in a second later down, but like our sisters, many times when I speak to them about wearing those clothes and cutting their hair and little things, and, and man, how they'll continue into their creeds. Men can have ideas and thoughts that they hold on to so strong. Their creeds and serve under those creeds and things, and they're good people. They're fine people. But it seems like they can't understand, like they can't get it. The people out in the world, I, and even denomination, I go back in the next year, instead of it being any better, it's worse. It continues on. Here's a sister that once had lovely long hair. She cut it off. A man that looked like he took his stand and went out for the things that was riding, back like a dog to its vomit. You just find that you notice, you don't find that genuineness in man. You don't find it in women. I, I, he says, I, the reason I'm basing this is to get to Shalom. Your light has come. But we have to look at the gross darkness. Women in our day, they don't seem to have that lady like they once had. They're just, they want to, they, they, there's, they want to, but there's something won't let them do it. It seems like there's a heaviness. That's what gross darkness is. It's a heaviness. You tell a lady that she should not do such and such a thing, and that lady looks upon that and believes that. He gives her credit for believing that. She wants to believe that but there's something that presses her the other way. Poor thing. He says, I feel sorry for her. She's so caught, and he uses a word that's striking. He says, she's so caught in such a web of Hollywood. We know what the internet is now, and, and maybe he was speaking prophetically, but she's so caught in such a web of Hollywood. The advertisements and television, radio, newspaper, on the street, in the store window, with modern dress and so forth, the way that other women meet her. And it seems that there's something that they just can't pull away from. And he says it's all. He says, our young people, our old people, our middle age, we're all not immune to the influences of the world. There seems to be something among man. Man don't seem to have that masculine touch he used to have. Women don't have that feminish touch she used to have. You take man today. Man don't seem to be burly like they used to. They, it's all some sort of, they want to wear suede shoes with purple, he says. He says, and, and they want to act like women. And he says, now that's true. It seems to be more or less a perversion. Like the Jews was in the day that Jesus came to earth, Isaiah had prophesied and said, there would be that they would, they would have eyes and they couldn't see. Ears, they couldn't hear. And that's the reason Jesus prayed for their forgiveness. Because it had to be that way to fulfill the scripture. 
we can't get too concerned. I'll say it. There's a balance to these things, and I hope it's okay to say it this way, but yeah. to get in the streets and rally about all these things that we might not agree with, yeah. it's prophesied. Right. It's going to be a Sodom law. Brother Branham said so. Right. What are we going to change? Right. We live our life as light. Right. Light pushes through darkness. We don't have to take a sign. That's not our fight. Our fight is for the Word of God. We don't have to rally this or that. It's about shining a light that's the gospel, promise for our day. The prophecy will come to pass. It has to be a Sodom law. It has to be these things. But there's a life that we are prophesied to live. Arise and shine. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen. And so it's returned to us again. The Bible has spoke of this day that we live and said these things would come. Gross darkness upon the people, and we see it. And there's something that just the people want to, but they can't. We see people, and we're surrounded by people day after day. And you could present the truth to them, but they, they don't quite want to. They want to accept it. But, but, but you talk about even a preacher just for a, a brother Bradham would say a meal ticket. They would, I'm going to get kicked out of my organization. Or, 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 or a man that feels like he'll get fired. Or, or, or all these pressures and things that come. And they're little influences. If they really waited out for eternity, oh, they would give their soul and their heart. But Satan so pulls a heaviness over us. Such a darkness, gross darkness. The prophet said, gross darkness upon the people, upon the people of the world at this time. Gross darkness upon the people. We can get into a darkness in our life. We can get into what they call a, a fog of war. I'm sure when... When Hamas landed and when, when, the, when, the, when the bombs were going off and the guns were going off, there's dust rising and there's smoke rising and there's fire shots over there and there's a bomb going off over there and you see a missile flying over there. And you enter a spot called the fog of war where you don't know what's reality. Is that the enemy? Is that, is that my side? Is that your side? Or is, is, Where are we at and what are we doing? And as a church, as people, we can get into these spots where we wonder who's, who's this and what's on that side. And what Brother, Brother John, you preached many years ago a, a service called Friendly Fire. You didn't know what had happened at the young people that afternoon. But my, that was a service we needed. Friendly Fire, many years ago. But we can get spots where we begin to fire this way or fire that way and God help us not to hit each other. It's too late to hit each other. Let's be hitting one thing, and that's the devil. And the one thing is the devil has, we, we are reminded many times of our position and our place in heavenly places in Christ. And we ought not to focus a whole lot on the devil, but once in a while, it's good to remind him of his position. And there's one place and one position he ought to have every day, and that's under our feet. If you're the skin on the, on the bottom of the foot of the body of Christ, every devil is subject to you. There's nothing that can stop you. There's nothing that can hold you back. Why? Because there's a promise for you. There's a promise for you. But we can feel hopeless. We can feel a darkness press in. We can feel overwhelmed in our spirit. Situations come and it can be overwhelming or it can be so discouraging or, or it can draw us. We can feel pressed in our minds and in our spirits. We can have dreams that affect us. We can have things that go through the night, or we can have things that go through the day. Brother Branham says this quote, many times you heard in my last message how that God dealt with the wise men in that day when he turned aside them by a dream to go see the, the, the Christ. He told Joseph by a dream how he would take care of welfare of his own son. Joseph, jo Jesus' you know, adoptive father, if I could use that term, because he had the dream. 
Now, Brother Brandon would make this interesting statement, and I want this to be my reality. I want this to be my reality. He says, a dream is secondarily something off to one side, because people can have dreams that's not right. But there was no prophet in the land that day, and there was no prophet. Therefore, God had to use what he could use to show Joseph. And, and teach us is that God can use every faculty and everything that we do if it's consecrated to him. First, it must be consecrated to him. Let your meditations, which really reflects your dreams. If we don't like the dreams we're having, what do we meditate on? What do we feed on? What do we allow that's still sitting in our subconscious? And can we let the water of the word come and wash us and so cleanse us? But first, you must be consecrated. Let your meditations, which really reflects your dreams, see it's your subconscious. If you'll watch a dream, you'll see it's something that you've been thinking of or, or something like that. Usually, you see, sometimes a Satan can just come and send you something you never wanted to. But let your mind be on God then so that it, your dreams, reflect something for Him. Whatever you are, let it reflect for Him. He's not giving you the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind where we know where we stand. We know who we are. Shalom. Let's turn it back around. Brother Branham had been preaching on gross darkness. He began to shift. Gross darkness is upon the people. Now what about light? He said gross darkness would be upon the people, but there would be light. Rise, shine, for the light has come. How can there be darkness and light? It's got to be separated. When light shines, it's got to be separated. Now, the only one thing separates it, the word manifested separates it. If there's a darkness of sickness, when the word of healing is manifested, it shines. When you're bound by chains of depression or anxiety or, or, or a lust or pride or vanity or whatever it would be, when you're bound by the darkness that holds you down, the social media, whatever it would be, when the word of deliverance manifested shines, you're free. And it's a light that pierces through any darkness. There's no darkness that can stop at light. It presses to the other side. Here's the darkness on the earth, but when the manifested word of God, the sun, which was spoken into existence by the word, shows itself, darkness runs to the other side. And that's what's taking place now. Darkness separating itself from the light. To the elected church of the hour, which we could stay on that for hours, but I think I've said enough, he says. You understand. Now I say to the church, shalom. God's peace. Every true Hebrew, every true Hebrew when he meets another one, says shalom. We had the, the privilege on our, on our honeymoon to go to a couple of countries. We went to Egypt and Morocco, and, and, and they're very Muslim countries. And so what they do when they're there is they say salam which is shalom, but it's Arabic, Arabic for everywhere you go, salam, 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 whatever they would say. And that was what they would say, shalom. In Hebrew, in Israel, you would go, they, and I've never been, but I'd like to go maybe a little later from now, but I'd like to go, and they say shalom. Yeah. Yeah. And what does it mean? It's good morning. God be with you. God's peace go with you. It's good morning. How do you do? It's a breaking day, church. Darkness upon the people, but good morning to the church. So I began, I, sometimes I like to study words or look at what the Bible or, 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 or see what is said about some of these words in the Bible. And sometimes you find some interesting, amazing things. 
So I looked up the word shalom. It means peace, completeness, welfare, health. It's a beautiful word. It's a beautiful word. Shalom is a very important term. This is Vine's complete expository of dictionary of whatever, but shalom is a very important term in the Old Testament and has maintained its place in Mishnaic, Rabbinic, and modern Hebrew, whatever all of this is. In Israel today, people greet the, new, greet the newcomer and each other with the words ma shlomka, and what it means is, what is your peace? Let me say, who is your peace? You greet each other, what's your peace? Well, I'm in Christ. What, what, who's your peace? Well, Jesus Christ is my peace. What is your peace? You say, Shalom. What is your peace? How are you doing? They ask about the peace, well-being of one's family. The word Shalom, peace, is derived from a root meaning wholeness. Completeness, I'll say. Entire. Wanting nothing. What is peace? It's, it's a place where there's no, there's no unsatisfaction. Your thirst is met. Your heart is settled. Your soul is full. It's complete, entire, wanting nothing. Shalem, a verb that's similar to shalom. Shalem, to be complete, to be sound. This verb occurs 103 times, I believe, in the, in the Bible is what it's saying. I'm not sure, new or old. To be complete. In 1 Kings 9.25, it was part of the word. It was so he finished the house. It was over. It was settled. Another verse, verb, shalom, means to make peace. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. I'm just going to read a, I'm going to read a story for you, and I, I don't know how to bring this out very well, but I hope it becomes clear. And I, now, there was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed stronger and stronger. And, weak, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. Sorry. And unto David were sons born in Hebron. And his firstborn was Amnon of Abiolam, the Jezreelitess. His second son was Chiliab of Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And the third son, Absalom, the son of Maak, the daughter of Talmi, king of Geshem. So Absalom was born. And then after that fact, David began to have a desire down the line. I want to build the house for the Lord to rest. Yeah. He, he was, there was a tent that was made, but how be it that, that, the, 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 that the king of kings would dwell in this place of tents and, and I have this beautiful house, David would say. How is it that he would dwell there and, and I have this beautiful palace? I want to build him a place where he can rest, right. a place that's more beautiful, a place that's a better place to dwell. David's desire... And it came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all of his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said unto the king, Go, do all that is in thy heart, for the Lord is with thee. What a wonderful thing that the Lord is with you. But, but, but Nathan, afterward it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go, and tell thy, my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me an house for to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelled in any house since the time that I was brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. 
dropping down, Now therefore so shalt thou say unto, unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight. I have made thee a great name, like unto the great men that are in the earth. He had been risen up from nothing to something. By God's grace, moreover, I will appoint a place for my people, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as, as before time. And, since, and as since the day that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have, caused them, and have caused thee to rest from all thy enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. And when thy days be fulfilled, then, he says, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and I will do this. I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and will establish his kingdom. And he says it as a future tense. The seed, not that's come, but the seed that's coming, will be the one that will set up this house. Or that will proceed and will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. And if he commit iniquity, I'll chasten him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the children of men. And he would go on. And so God would begin to tell David, he has this desire to build a tabernacle for God to rest in. How many knows we're the tabernacle of God tonight? We're the house of God's rest. The house of God's shalom is, is right here. But David desired to build a place for God to rest, a place that was better and more right and more fitting for the king of kings, as best as he could. And he was told that he already had a son named Absalom, he already had a son named Amnon, he had, he had these different sons, but he was told there's something coming still that will be the person that would build this. After this came to pass, and I think I don't have the, oh, chapter 11, I think it's 2 Samuel chapter 11, came to pass after the year was expired. This was after now David's desire set out. The king's, it, it was expired at the time when the kings go forth to battle. David sent Joab and his servants and with him all, the, all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon, besieged Rabbah. David stayed home, and that was a mistake. He should have been on the front lines like any king should have been doing. He stayed back. He decided to rest that day. He decided to, to hold back a little bit, and, and he got caught. An idle mind is the devil's playground, as they say. Stay with the things of the Lord. Don't hold. Don't draw back. You, you, we've been a Christian for 10 years. We've been a Christian for, for, for 20 years. Don't draw back now. But David stayed home. He tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the evening time that David arose up from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look on. And that woman's name was Bathsheba. And, and a relationship was formed. And, and a son was born. A husband was killed. They were married. And a son died. And we fast forward a little farther. And Solomon is born. I want to point out something that, I, and I don't know how to put it all together, but it was fascinating to me. Solomon. Solomon, if you were to take the word in Hebrew, is shalomoah. It, it, it means peaceful. Solomon. Think about it for a moment. Shalom. Solomon. Solomon. What about Absalom? Avi Shalom. 
the father of peace. They were both named that same root word. They both had a, had a, had a function that was aiming that they could have both perhaps fulfilled what the word of God said. Absalom, Solomon, both part of, one was called the father of peace, one was named peaceful. But one had come first. You know, in the, in the, in the genealogies of, uh, 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 of, out of Adam's line and Cain's line, did you know there was an Enoch in Cain's side before Enoch came along? Sometimes Satan leads with something, and it's, it's the wrong, a false Christ or something that's wrong. Yeah. But God, just give God a little bit of time. Sometimes Satan will present you an opportunity. Satan will present you something right off the bat. You know God has promised you something. And Satan will present this opportunity, though, in front of you. And, and it, it seems like it could be right. It, seems, it was like the job that I had, the other offer that I had that same day. It seems like it could be. But you have to begin to discern what has God promised First Chronicles 22.5, David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent, of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. And so David prepared abundantly before his death. I believe in this case Absalom is dead. And I'm sure that there had been a struggle because we had noted that in, in the scripture he, that God had told David, a seed will come forth, and Absalom is already on the earth. But a seed will come forth. And I'm sure David had to wrap his mind around the only one that's named something that could be similar, to, that means shalom or peace. And maybe he looked across his sons, I don't know who or what, but there will come a son. But I see this son, and he's rising up. He looks like the leader. The people begin to rally around him. The Bible said he had long, beautiful hair, whatever that meant. He was something that the people began to look for and look at. And David began to sit on the throne and wonder, is, is this the one? Because that son that I named Solomon, it came out of a bad spot. I, I love Bathsheba, but the people, even people in my own kingdom, remember what I did. It was wrong what I did. The people still remember what that king had done. You don't think that Israel took that. We, we, we sometimes gloss over our Bible characters. We, 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 we hold our, I'll say this, we hold our brothers and sisters to such a standard sometimes, and we forgive our Bible characters so quick, our Bible hearers. But if we remember, we remember that, that David was an adulteress, and, and, and Solomon was maybe worse in some ways, and he'd taken it farther, and yet he was still in humanity. God used him, and God had brought him to a spot. Let's, let's forgive the, the, the past of our brothers and sisters. You don't know that that's one of the Bible heroes of the book of Acts, the second book of Acts. We don't know that that wouldn't be. But David, one of our Bible heroes, and here he's got to wrestle with, he knows what had happened, he knows what had been done. What about Solomon? What did he have to wrestle with, with the thought that there's my big brother, or, or maybe after Absalom was gone, and, and it seemed like maybe he was rising up to the throne, and I, I don't understand. But I came from such a rotten relationship, seemingly, I came from such a place. But I found this interesting in, 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 in First Chronicles. This was after the, the first scripture just laid out, your seed will come forth out of your bowels and he'll build your house. But he doesn't say who, it doesn't say what. But in this scripture, it gives clarity. It gives, it gives something more. It says something more than Samuel ever said. 
Solomon, my son, he called for Solomon, his son, and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel and said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it, it wasn't my mind to build a house for the name of the Lord, but the word of the Lord came to me saying, maybe he never said it publicly, maybe he had never shared this detail, but in this book, he shares a detail with his son. He says, he says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, thou hast shed blood abundantly and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house unto my name because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Your life was not a peaceful one. Your place, it wasn't where you had rest all the time from you. There was rest at times, but you shed much blood. But the word of the Lord, behold, a son shall, uh, dropping down, behold, a son shall be born unto thee, who shall be a man of rest. Shalom, Solomon, that shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies round about, for his name shall be called Solomon. So God had told him, when Solomon comes, not when Absalom comes, but when Solomon comes, that's the one. It's, it's the one that's coming still next. That's the one that will be at the rest. And I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. He shall build a house for me, my name. He shall be my son. I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. What a rest for Solomon that must have been. To realize, you know, I, I seen all the things that had went with Absalom. And he had risen up and he had tried and he had been taken down. And, 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 and David, now he had left and now he had come back. And, and, and my father, who I love, maybe there was this or that, but I love my father, David. And he's coming to say, you know what? God told me. You're named for a purpose. I, 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 I was told to name you Solomon. I'd been waiting for the day to, to name my son Solomon. I'd, different sons had come, but, but then I got the nudge, and you were Solomon. It, it looked like this was wrong. It looked like that was wrong. What would the people, would the people accept it? The Bathsheba, that, that she would be the, the mother of the king. Would the people accept it? But you're Solomon. Not Absalom, but you're the one that's the peace. We come from so many backgrounds. We come from so much life. There would have been an older brother that was bigger and better than us. There would have been a, a, a something that would have been more beautiful to look at. Maybe, maybe the people we went to school with, the people we worked with, they would have been the better choice, perhaps. Maybe a cleaner name or a cleaner life or something. But God says to you, I name you Shalom. I name you Solomon. Your name arise to your light. Your name is peace. I choose you to build the house of my rest. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll begin to maybe change gears a little bit and we'll, we'll slowly learn to land the plane, but God has a plan and program for your life. Yes. Oh, what a peace that is when we really catch a revelation of that and we hold on to it. Brother John preached a, a masterpiece this morning on adoption. It helped me. I, I needed that. I want to say that the devil could put adoption as a far-off something. We could feel like failures. We could see adoption and placing as something far off down the line. And that's for a brother down in, that's for Brother Tim Pruitt, or that's for someone that we know, but, 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 but we're predestinated unto the adoption. You can't not reach your adoption. If you're elected as the bride of Christ, you will find your place in the body. Find your place in the temple where the presence of the Lord would worship, would, would come down and worship could be, could be manifested. We're predestinated. Yes. Coming back to the message, Shalom. New Year, he says. New Year, what about it? It brings new hope. Maybe this past year was a tough one. Maybe it was the worst one. 
It brings new hope. We're closer, we're one year closer. We're one day closer than we was yesterday. We're one hour closer than was when, when I started. Maybe, I don't know if I've been an hour, but we're, we're one hour closer. We don't look back. Let's keep looking forward. Oh, yes, sir. New year doesn't mean turning a new page. It says, like the man, one morning I heard it. He, a man got up early, went out and picked up the paper, come back in, sat down, put his feet up on the, the divan, I don't know, the, the, the stool or something, put his glasses on and begin to read the paper. And, and his wife getting out breakfast, she said, John, anything new? He says, no, same old thing, just new people. That's right, murders, rape, everything else, somebody else done it. The world is going to continue on. Same old, same old, not turning a new page, but it's turning to the Word of God. What's the promise for today that we're fulfilling? Oh, Paul said, forgetting those things that are in the past, I now press towards the mark to the complete identification when all time will fade into eternity when Jesus comes. So as David did, put your future into his hands. Don't look to anything else. My time is in his hands, David said. You notice here in the Psalms 62, my time is in his hands. He is my rock, like the special saying. He is my rock. What is he? He's revealed to me. He is the revealed truth. My time is in his hands. My time belongs to him. I'm his. I'm in his hand because he holds my future. We, Brother Branham would begin to preach about a symphony in the message Shalom. He would call it a sympathy. He would begin to preach about a symphony, and he would say, in order to, I, I, I don't know if you've ever watched an orchestra or a symphony, I had the chance, I, I played the violin before, I had a chance to play in those things, and it's an amazing thing. You, you find your part, and you have to know your notes, or try to know your notes at least as well as the person next to you, or a little less, and you can follow them. And, and you begin to, begin to play, and when you begin to play your part, the other parts begin to come together and you hear the cello over there and, and, and you hear maybe you get to play with the brass band too and you hear the brass over there and, and what begins to come forth is this beautiful piece, Bach or Beethoven or, or something that would come forth. Now to the average person that likes maybe just country music, they think that's pretty awful. A symphony. But some people, what a symphony is, they understand it just like some people, they understand the country music or, or whatever your music that you like. Make it country gospel. Make sure it's gospel. You've got to be careful. You don't want to... Make your music Christian. But for, for the person that knows their kind of music, they know what they like, they know their style, they know the sound, they know the effect to get the sound, they enter into it, whereas someone else on the outside, it might just sound like a bunch of noise and racket. What is all these strings going? It sounds like, or what is the, the twang of the guitar? Or what is, but, but for the person that knows the rhythm and the beat, they know all oh, the key change is coming. Or there, there's, a, there's a tempo change. The, cra the crash of the cymbal is about to hit. They understand the program. They understand the place. God has a perfect plan for us. Did you know he can order your finances better than you can? He can give you the right job. He can give you a job that allow you to be in church, a, a job that allow you to be able to serve the Lord with all your heart. Oh, it can pull us. It's part of the curse. We have to work by the spread of our brow, sweat of our brow. We have to. But he can give you a job. He can restore family situations in a way that would blow your mind. He can bring your children back home. No matter how far they've gone, 
He can do anything. Put your future in his hand. Begin to enter into the rhythm of the music and, and realize if I get up in the morning, Brother Branham said, how do you get closer to God? Read your Bible and pray every day. And I begin to get into the rhythm of that, and I, I begin to, 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 to listen to the message of the hour. I begin to put my, my time into the church and ask Brother John, how can I help? Brother Steve, how can I help? What can I do? I begin to put my shoulder to the wheel. I, I, different things just come to your mind. I, I heard an analogy one time. It's easy to say, oh, why do they do it that way? There's something in the ditch, and they're pushing, they're pushing, and they're pushing. I can't believe they're doing it that way. Well, you get in the ditch and push with them, and you realize that's why they're doing it that way, and you realize it's not so, it's not so easy. Help your pastor. Help the, man that's, help the men of God and the women of God that are, that are, that are pushing. If, the, if, the, if, the, if, if they've got the ball, we don't everyone want to try to get the ball at the same time. We need someone to block and tackle. We need that person that would come. He's got the ball. He's running with it. Back home, we've got Brother Andrew. He, he leads our young people, and we're helping to block. He's got the ball. We help to block. That's what we want to do. We want to take that spot and say, okay, if he's got the ball, then we're just finding a way to, to try to get him through through the enemy. And there's lines there, and we've got we to gotta block this. We've got to block that. We've got to score a goal. We can't all take a goal. We've got we to gotta get that one that's going to get the touchdown. We've got we've to find our spot. But he can find you a way through anything. Anything. If we truly have faith, if we really have a revelation that what God's promised for our life, whatever it is, freedom, peace, deliverance, healing, the, the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the adoption, if you know it's going to happen, because that's what faith is, it's a revelation you know, it's settled, then it doesn't matter how long it'll take. Because it's going to happen. It's eternal. You've stepped into the eternal realm, and you know that it is, and it's a substance, so it doesn't matter when, because it will. So you can let go and realize it is, it will. Brother Branham says patience. Patience, still shalom. Some of us get to, some of us get to such a hurry. I think many a good man has done that. You get in too much of a hurry. There was a sister, I think, back in Edmonton that used to say, if you rush, you get an Ishmael. That's what Abraham did. He rushed, he got an Ishmael. Don't rush. Let God do it. You get too much of a hurry. You want to do it yourself. And minister, brethren, he says, you know what I'm talking about. He says, you that's listening to this tape, I'm talking to you, not only the little congregation here, but men around the world. Many men go out impatient, but believing that the time is near, you try to do something within yourself. Wait upon the Lord. Patience is virtue. If you have patience, it's virtue. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength that little light will begin to rise up again. That little something will begin to rise up again. No, they try to get ahead of the Lord. They try to tell the Lord, Lord, I know you want me to do this, and, and glory to God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Don't do that. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. God took thousands of years to fulfill his promise of a coming Savior. Oh, my. He took thousands of years. But remember, he noted all the time when it was coming. There's many people rose up, tried to be messiahs, and Absalom will rise up, try to be that fulfillment. Many churches have tried to produce messiahs, but God had a set time for his messiah. He has a set time for your fulfillment of your promise. So I say to you, shalom. It's okay. Peace. Peace. Shalom, peace. Don't be weary. Jesus is here. His great light has come to us 
and we're thankful for it. His word, the great mystery, he's today manifesting himself. We're creatures of time, but he's a God of eternity. We try to press ourselves. We try to make something different. Oh, this has got to be done. Remember, he knows all about it. It's going to happen anyway. So let go. Let God have his wonderful way. Many times people will ask the question, why, he says. They've asked, they've asked, sometimes they ask me. You might have the question, Brother John, that comes to ask you, Brother Steve. People come and ask, why this? Why did that happen to me? Why must these things happen? Why, why did this happen to me? Why did I start and, and this happened and I had this trouble here? This upset me and I lost this here. Brother Branham says, sometimes I've asked why. Why, when I was just a young minister, first started out, did God take my wife right out from under me? Take my baby right out. You listen to life story, it'll change, it'll change your life. If you, can, if you can get through that tape without crying. Oh my. It, it, take my baby right out from beneath me, right from beneath my heart. Why did he do that? I didn't know. I do now. I just held my hand in his. Kept trusting. He knows every junction. He knows the rhythm. When it must take place. He knows what it takes to mold you. He knows what it takes. He knows what kind of material he's going to use. The backside of the desert sometimes where God's, God molds righteous man into sages and prophets. See, that's where men are beat out. Women are beat out. Men are beat out all kinds of, into, in, beat out in the word when they got all kinds of creeds and stuff in them. Let them come to the word. God beats it right out of them. Molds them through trials and testings. He would say in this message that, that, that suffering for his namesake is just growing pains of his grace. The sufferings, the trials, the things that we go through for his name. Did you know when Jesus suffered on the cross, he was fulfilling a suffering. But, but he, was, he, was, he left a measure for us to go through. And it wasn't something that was like something that he enjoyed watching us suffer or something. He didn't allow that anything that you're going through that he hasn't already gone through himself. That he wouldn't already be willing to go through. His temptation, his trial, everything he went through, he's able to secure us. He's able to understand our needs Amen. and our struggles. Yeah. But he left us a measure that we must go through. Yeah. So let's get into the symphony of it and realize it's shalom. Yeah. It's peace. Brother Branham, what about my mother and dad? What about my, my people? What about my denomination? What will they, they'll cast me out. What about this situation? What about my finances? My family is broken. My life is shattered. The situation is too much. He says, if you can't look ahead, look up. If you can't look ahead, if you're in that spot where you can't even look to 2024, I don't know if I'll make it to 2024, look up. Look up. Don't try to look ahead anyhow. Put your hand in his. Let him lead you. Look up. Don't look ahead. Well, you say others make fun of my long hair, me taking off shorts and leaving the church and suffering for his namesake is just growing pains of his grace. Remember, it's the grace of God has been given to you. Paul had an infirmity, blow after blow, a devil that would come at him. And he prayed the Lord three times that that, that devil would be removed, that, that spirit that would come blow after blow. But God came back and said, my grace is sufficient for you. What if the situation you're in right now what if it just keeps going on this next year? 
I, I don't want to make this discouraging. What if, it makes it, what if it keeps going on this year? And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Then I say, shalom. Keep going. It'll be worth it all. Sometimes the things we go through, it feels like, oh, is it going to happen again? Or the, the cycles of life, the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the darkness pressing in. But, I, but, but the light that can come, peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God on the inside. That place that you can reach, that inner soul peace. It's not just peace always in our mind that, that we don't have any stress or any worry. or any, But there's a place where you can reach where your mind is torn this way. That's torn that way. Your body's sick. Everything's inside out, upside down, but in your soul. I know my Redeemer lives. In my flesh I'll see God. And the last day there'll be a time and a place. There'll be a day we begin to speak the name of Jesus. All temptation will have to flee. Young person, the temptations that come at us, they're so strong, they're so heavy. But if you begin to speak the name Jesus, don't try it of yourself, it's miserable. But when you begin to speak the name, begin to let go and let God, he changes your heart from the inside out. He promised in the last days, as I wind down and I close, he promised in these last days these things would take place. We see it. He promised he would send Jesus. There will be a millennium. There will be a new day. There will be a day where the sun will never go down no more. We'll need it no more. For the Lamb is the light of the city where we're going to. The dawning of a new day. He says, I feel it all over me right now. The light of a new day. The light of a day where there's no night. There's no darkness. No shadows. No skies. No dim. No dark skies. No midnights. No grave. No flowers on the hillside. No funeral services. I can feel the rays of his light breaking through upon my soul. The old one is pressing away as I feel the mortal blood pouring through my body. I feel the surge of the Holy Spirit come in and say, rise, shine. Brother Branham says in the message, Mother's Day, and we're just landing the plane. Don't worry, we're almost through. But You want a beautiful message to listen to. You might not think of it. You might think, oh, I'll listen to it on Mother's Day. But listen to it any time in the year. And Brother Branham would preach this beautiful message, Mother's Day. And he begins to tell a story of his family and imagining them on the other side when he begins to greet them. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful section. And maybe I'll pull out a quote. But then as we see him, we'll not be as we are now. We'll know how to love him more. We'll not stand back a little fear. We get that in church. We get a condemnation. How do we fully enter into worship? Sometimes we get held back and little things in our mind. Little, but we won't stand back in a little fear there. Because we'll be like him. My, my, my mom remembers the day I was born. I don't remember the day I was born. But my mom remembers that day. She knows more, something about me that I don't know about myself. What does it mean to be known like we're known of, like he knows us. He knows things about you you don't know about yourself. He sees the purpose of it all. He knows why. We can ask why. Jesus even asked, why on the cross? Why hast thou forsaken me? We'll ask those questions. He knows why. There is a reason why. There's a victory why. We'll understand them better. Today we're so far away in mortal bodies, but then we'll have a body like his glorious body. We'll know how to worship him. And when we see the, what the presence of his being has done to us, 
changed us, the old back young, all the deformed straightened out, all will understand then why his power has healed us. The questions that's been in our mind, he says, how can he do it? What would this be somehow mysteriously? Uh, they'll all fade away. Christ will come at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I'll, I'll take it from the quote. I'll say it a little bit my way, but he'll be, we'll be sitting there at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we'll have this, and we'll have that, and one beautiful table with all the saints of God sitting beside our loved ones, our, our partner, our, maybe the prophet will be there, and this saint will be there, and maybe it'll be all mixed and matched from the Ephesian to the Laodicean church age. And the questions that we wondered why, he'll begin to reach his fingers into our mind and begin to unwind the knots. All the things we couldn't understand why. All the things we couldn't figure out what would be the reason. He'll begin to reach in and untangle the knots. The stress, the, the, the things that we couldn't, that, that, and we'll be free. He'll wipe away all tears from our eyes. Oh, I wonder if I can find this quote. Is it okay for one minute? There's a story that he would tell about his, his brother. Brother, brother Brandon would tell about his brother, and I, I just want to see if I can find it as we would go. He, he would begin to talk about how he would begin to talk about how he would see his dad come. He would see his dad come, and maybe his dad hadn't been a perfect man, and there was even a wrestling over his, over his hospital bedside right before he passed. You imagine your dad or your mom or your loved one. They, they didn't live quite maybe what they would have even wanted to live, but they were held back by hurts and scars or someone in your life. And there was even a wrestling, a light and a darkness wrestling over his dad as he would pass. But he began to imagine him on the other side, what it would be like to see him. And, and, then, and then he began to imagine, I'm trying to find a quote here, I'm sorry. He began to imagine his one brother, and I, want, I wonder if I can find it. I'm sorry that this will take a moment, maybe, but maybe I won't find it. But he began to talk about a brother that had been called to be a preacher. I can't remember his name. Maybe you remember, but he had been called to be a preacher, but, but, he, but he had his associates that had dragged him down. He had been called to minister. Brother Branham was the prophet, but he had been called to minister as well. But his associates had pulled him down, and, and, and finally, he, he had lived a rough life, and I think alcohol and things, and he had come to a spot where he, he was at the end, and, and, he, and he talked to Brother Brandon before he passed. I'll have to, it's in Mother's Day, so you can listen to how he says it. Yeah. But, but he began to, began to pass, and he had talked to Brother Brandon before he went, and he says, Bill, my life is not what I wanted it to be. I'm going, this is not what I wanted it to be. And he began to ask Brother Brandon, do, do, do you think he'll understand? Hey, Brother Bradham says, well, do you, do you love him? Do you? He says, with all my heart, I know he's God. He's my God. Do you, do you think he'll understand? Brother Bradham, Brother Bradham began to imagine his family coming through and, and begin to imagine that brother coming through. And, and he, he asked Bill, he asked, he asked Brother Bradham, when, when, when my funeral's held, I want that song to be sung. He, he, he'll, he'll understand and say, well done. He wanted that song, song, he'll understand and say, well done. His life had been a mess. He hadn't fulfilled what he seemed to have been supposed to fulfill. But as he had begun to imagine him on the other side, that bright and cloudless morning, that day where the grass is greener than any green you've ever seen and the flowers are colors you've never seen before. And, 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 and his dad began to come, his mom began to come, his brothers one by one began to come. And that one brother came. And he would imagine him saying, he understood, Bill. And there he was on the other side. 
Sometimes we think, will this person be there? Will that? We don't know sometimes. That place, God's grace is so much bigger. If God could come from the portals of heaven, die on a cross for the whole world, not just the elect, but the whole world, die the death. Oh, the grace that one day. Maybe that person that gave you a cup of water. Oh, ask for a cup of water. When, you're, when you go to a next meeting, ask for a cup of water. Give that person a blessing on the other day. Let them bless you. We don't know what will be that day. But the knots that's been in our mind, God will begin to take it away. So for the new year, as I close, be determined to stay with his word and what it's promised. Like others, elected did in others' days, if you feel that you've seen the light that's broke through upon you of Jesus Christ, his manifestation of his great Holy Spirit in these last days, remember, stay with it. What he did, you are one of the elected. Isaiah 26.1 says, That day this song shall be sung in the land of Judah. We'll have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. How do I find that place of peace? Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of virtue or of a good report, or if there be any virtue or any praise or Think on these things. And the God of peace, which passeth all understanding, will be with you. Maybe the musicians will begin to come. No matter what would come in our lives, no matter the darkness that presses, no matter the ups and downs, the ins and outs, remember that God's mind and desire is that your mind your soul would have a perfect, entire completeness. We're made with a thirst in our hearts. We're made with a thirst in our lives to be satisfied. We can try to satisfy that holy thirst with so many things. We can even rely on, we can even lean to nerves or feelings or things. We can even almost get used to it, almost embrace it, almost learn to live with it. We don't have to live with that nerve and that peak. We don't have to live with anxiety. You don't have to live with depression. You might have to push through it, but a light can shine through. Amen. Light can pulsate through. Begin to break through the darkness. He's the way maker. He's a miracle worker. He keeps every promise. Even when we don't see it, he's still working. He's still working. He's still working. He's still working.